Hey everybody, you are listening to the Awkward Artist Podcast with your host, me, Day. Welcome back. So this spring and summer, there has been a lot of buildup around the Barbie movie that's coming out in a few days. And I have to admit that I have a love-hate relationship with Barbie. And I readily admit that I have Mattel Envy. What is Mattel Envy, you ask? Well, it's a word that I made up, but essentially, it's the jealousy of people who were allowed to play with Barbie in a way that not only fostered their creativity, but it led to their empowerment, allowing them to create a sense of self. And if you've been listening to previous episodes, you won't be surprised to hear that I was not allowed to play with or own a Barbie at least not under my dad's roof. But I did get to play with them secondhand via my older sister when we'd go see my mom for summer vacation or if I went over to someone else's house. And because the road to healing begins by naming and claiming your feelings, I decided to end my pink-eyed jealousy and begin my recovery by talking about no other than Barbie. And healing is always better when you have a supportive network. So I'm starting that recovery with three of my favorite people, Dana Anderberg, Tracy Silverman, and Shiny Parker. Hey divas, welcome to the show. How y'all doing today? I'm great, doing great. I'm doing well. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to jump right into this because I know you guys have um, things to do and families and businesses to take care of. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode about Barbie is because y'all know I got some Mattel Envy. And I thought this would be like the perfect opportunity for me to heal at least one of my childhood wounds. Okay. And so I want to say that I appreciate all three of you for coming together to finally help me get over a part of my youth that I feel like I missed out on. So my hope is that at the end of this episode, I will be completely healed and that I can wholeheartedly embrace Barbie and what she means to me without guilt or shame for wanting something my dad thought I shouldn't have for myself. So I begin the healing by asking, do you guys remember your first Barbie ever? This, so this is Dana. Okay. Um, I don't remember like my very first Barbie or anything like that, but I do remember my very first experience with the Barbie I wanted so desperately. And uh, what was the Barbie her name you was so desperately? She was called the Pretty in Pink Barbie. The Pretty what? And Pretty in Pink Barbie. And she came with five outfits. And a pink stole, and some of the bling on her outfit was uh, like silver sequins. And I was just so excited to get her just because she came with multiple outfits. And I wasn't a really girly girl, so it kind of was out of the box for me to want something that was so girly and pink. How old were you, Dana, when you first got your first barbie were you did you oh i don't i have no idea um i don't know maybe eight okay what do you think yeah that's that's tracks because i was gonna say like i probably got my first barbie when i was maybe like six and a half or seven and you were you were you were older than me right yeah, that right around that time. Okay, shiny. What about you? Um, I got my first Barbie probably when I was about six, five or six, somewhere in there. So my question for y'all: Where did y'all re- 
get your bag breeds because you asked for them or were they just kind of like part of because you were a girl, someone thought you should have this and it kind of took off from there or were these actual requests? I think that mine was a request. Yeah. Yours was a request? What was yours, Shani? Yeah. I think that it was, they were just given to me because I was a girl. Okay. Or I could have probably, I don't know, because normally I would see stuff on TV and then I would end up having it. Like I will say I want that and then a month or two would go by and then I ended up having it. So it probably was a request too. Because Barbie was really big in the 80s. Okay. So in the early 90s. So it's probably a commercial I saw and requested it. All right. So, and thanks for telling me the year you got your Barbie. Dana, Tracy, what years were y'all into y'all's Barbies? Late 70s? What? Yeah, probably like like right on the cusp of the 70s turning into the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because well, I was born in 74. This is crazy. I was born in 74. Dana, you were born in 72, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I probably always wanted a Barbie because my grandma's house, my grandma still had the original Barbies. Oh. The very first Barbies that were ever created. And they were allowed, my grandma allowed us to play with them. So we were always really careful with them. It was the original 1950s Barbie that my grandma had cases and clothes. Like she kept them pristine and that my aunt then had them. So they just stayed in my grandma's house. So I ended up then wanting my own Barbies because I played with the ones at my grandma's house. Ooh, Dana, I am totally loving that you have this third generation Barbie history going on in your family. Um, Okay, so Shani, let me ask you this. What is it or was it about Barbie that did it for you that no other toy or doll could do for you at the age of five, six, seven, eight years old? Um, well, I was the only child growing up. So it definitely opened up the theory of playing house, not um, of being learning how to entertain myself. And then I started to get so attached to my Barbies that when, you know, some of the girls in the neighborhood would come over you have to play with my Barbies a certain way. You, know, <laughs> you know, you gotta respect my Barbies now. So it also taught me, and I didn't realize then, but um, being able to have ownership of my stuff, instinct, kind of like you know, when you ask people to take their shoes off before coming in your house. That's the introduction of being okay to state my boundaries over things that I that are special to me. I just want to say that that is a profound observation and statement. I know growing up in our house, my dad made sure that me and my little sister understood that he was our source and he had the power to give it and take it away. And let me tell you, uh, my daddy took away quite often when he felt like we weren't behaving the way that we should or we weren't grateful enough. And what that does for you as a kid is you don't get to establish boundaries. You don't get to have ownership of anything if it can be taken away from you at someone's will. And while you guys are like sharing your experiences, I want to say that I am getting to see the root cause of my love hate issues with Barbie. So, um, Tracy, next, what was Barbie's appeal for you? 
I think it was this this world that Barbie was in. You know, I I played with a lot of dolls, and I had Dana can attest. Like literally half of my bed was stuffed animals. Growing up, oh my god, it was crazy. I had the cabbage patch doll. I had the strawberry shortcakes. You know, all the strawberry shortcake dolls. Um, but I think for me, Barbie like represented a different world, like a complete world where it's like, you know, Ken and her little sister and um, Skipper, right? Yes. So bad. Skipper. Skipper. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I had the dream house, you know, and the dream house, the furniture and the Corvette. And I just remember it just being this like, complete world that I had that I could like I could immerse myself in um and really sort of lose myself in that um so yeah and I you know you asked about the setup of it and to me the setup of it was like really important and maybe that's like me being a crazy Virgo that like wants everything organized and everything in its place. But like, (laughs) I loved, like, I loved how I could literally like organize this house and like everything had to be where, you know, I was in control of where everything was. And that was amazing. Um, And I remember, you know, exactly where that dream house was in my bedroom and where I kept everything. And, you know, even like the reason why I want Dana, wanted Dana in this conversation was like, we would bring our Barbie setups and we would, her parents had this van, like, like, like a psycho killer van, you know, yeah. like that. <laughs> From the seventies, right? It became a psycho killer van of today. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. The ones you tell the little girls, be careful of when right. you're walking exactly. with your friends. Back then, it was the party van. <laughs> I know. It was like the best vehicle ever. And it had carpet. It had, you know, it was amazing. Oh, yeah. And, like, you opened up those, like, French, those back French doors, you know, where, like, the trunk mm-hmm. is. And somehow, we would, like, stuff ourselves in this little nook like a little niche of that back trunk area and I don't even know how we fit in there thinking about it but we would play Barbies in the back of that van and it was a completely other we would we were in a different world from everybody else completely so Dana for you you Uh mentioned earlier that you weren't particularly girly right Right. So I, I have a brother and the whole neighborhood where I grew up there, it was all boys. There were no girls my age or, or girls in the neighborhood for me to play with. So for a long time, I just played with the boys and I played football and I did, I played in the dirt with the matchbox cars. And I think, you know, when I went to my grandma's house and I played with her Barbies and I think, as there's three years difference between my brother and I. Mm-hmm. So I think when my brother got a little older and really didn't want to play with his little sister, didn't want his little sister around with some of the neighborhood boys, I spent a little bit more time by myself. So then I started to realize, oh, there's toys that are made for girls, you know? So, um, that you know Tracy and I would get together regularly because our mom are our mom's our best friends and uh Tracy was one of the few girls that I would get to be a girl with and uh yeah I think we kind of just fed off of each other right Trey like we talk about the Barbies we had or the ones we wanted I had the Corvette and the dream house too and I would so I shared a room with my brother for a really long time so um most of his stuff took over the majority of our room. So when I got the Barbie dream house, I set it up right next to my bed. So one time I actually rolled into the Barbie dream house, my head fell into the living room. Um, <laughs> one night, 
Um, but that's how close I had to have Barbie. All Literally in your dreams. Yes, in my dreams. The stuff yeah. your dreams are made of. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... Shani, being an only child, you know, like you can, uh-huh. you can, I can hear between Tracy and Dana, this friendship, right? This, this story, uh-huh. which has bonded them until adulthood. For you being an only child, what was it about this Barbie that did it for you that maybe in my day, the only other one was Wonder Woman and Bionic Woman and then those generic ones, right? Mm-hmm. That you would buy at the dollar store. What about Barbie did it for you as well that no other toy could? Because com- I didn't feel, I didn't feel alone. Like, it took up the space, and that's because I had, like, all the Barbies. Like, I had the uh, the uh, regular Barbie, the Malibu Barbie, Ken. I think they had came out with a baby Barbie. Like, I had the whole thing, the Carvette, the uh, Malibu situation where the house had opened up. Like, I was perfectly content playing Barbie because it allowed me to have an imagination. Like, all of my Barbies had their own storylines. So um, <laughs> I didn't feel so alone. And that's why when other little girls you would come to my house, like, this is her storyline. This this is her storyline. No, she doesn't work at the bank. She works at the post office. This is her storyline. <laughs> okay, so what I'm hearing is that playing with Barbie when you guys were little, help you guys establish boundaries, create a world of your own design where you were in control, claim space for yourselves, and ultimately helped you self-actualize. And for Dana and Trey, for you, it fostered a lifelong friendship. And we can't talk about Barbie without talking about the controversy. And she is one of the most controversial icons in the world. And we all know why she is considered controversial because she represents a very narrow standard of beauty, or she used to until they came out with Barbies that had a variation of skin color, body types, and facial expressions and hair and all of the like, right? So my question to y'all is, were there any not so positive ideologies from your play with Barbie that you superimposed on yourself? Um. Did you think you needed to have the perfect Barbie body or have the Corvette and the dream house and the closet full of clothes and shoes to feel like you were whole and complete? For me, I think I didn't identify so much with Barbie um, as I did more with like, I think I, I actually liked Skipper better. And I think I saw myself more in Skipper, you know? And so, like, when I played, like, Barbie, Barbie, like, wasn't me in playing. Like, Skipper was me when we were playing. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So, um, because I also was a gymnast when I was younger, and, like, I never wanted boobs. Like, literally, I would pray at night. (laughs) <laughs> not to ever grow boobs because all, all, it sounds so bizarre now but like all of the gymnasts that I idolized were like flat chested they literally had no womanly figure at all they were like you know it, their hips and their waist were the, on the exact same plane you know so like looking at Skipper like I wanted basically to be like Skipper you okay. know, because she was just like forever 
this little girl kind of situation, you know? Okay. Um, but I do, I do remember because I also was like kind of materialistic. I mean, I think a lot of kids are pretty materialistic, right? Like we just want everything. Um, and like, I lived in a very different kind of house. Um, my parents had very different kinds of furniture than all my friends. And like Dana can totally attest to this. Like you couldn't jump on like our couches or chairs. You couldn't like run through the house. It was kind of like a museum. And like I yearned for like the split level Brady Bunch house, you know, like I yearned. Mm, Yes for like just a, a fluffy couch that like you would sink into. Um, and so like my Barbie world sort of represented that for me where it was almost like, this is what normal is. And this is what I want. Like, this is the world that I want to be in. I don't want to be in the world that I'm in currently. Like I want to be in this like kind of, idealized but also like very um like a common denominator world okay Mm -hmm. so shiny anything any unrealistic uh ideologies that you walked away with for barbie oh sure the shape of barbie okay the size of Barbie. That's the size that you're supposed to be. That's the shape that you're supposed to be. Now, that, her shape, was that something that you was just, you learned? Was somebody saying that to you? Or you just, and you know, osmosis took no. that in? That was like the, the messaging. Like, Barbie had the kin with the dog, with the little baby, with the Corvette, with the Mal- with the house in Malibu. Barbie was living her best life, if we're just going to be honest. Barbie was living her best life. And part of that was because Barbie looked the way that Barbie looked. Okay. And- she had all the clothes she wanted. She had all the shoes. She yeah. had everything. So one of the reasons that I wasn't allowed to play with Barbie was because of race, right? My dad didn't want me to... Um, think that blonde, blue-eyed was preferable or better than me. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you're little, you don't really understand the messages that you get. And I understand why he did it, but that did not stop me from wanting a Barbie nonetheless. Did, during your play, did you ever think or believe that being blonde and blue-eyed was preferable, more preferable than being a woman of color? What's preferable? Um, It wasn't the skin color and the eye color. It was the size. Okay. It was her shape. That's what stuck out to me. Not Not her color, but it was her size and her shape. So she had all the cute clothes. Like, I remember... That girl had so many clothes. (laughs) I would keep them in Ziploc bags to make sure that everything was, and they were all color coordinated. So I was really like meticulous about that. And I really thought at the time, like, if you want to live this lifestyle, if you want to have these different options of clothes, this is what you need to be. You need to be size four, period. Okay. Dana, what about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess in, I think subconsciously, a lot of that stuff must have registered with me. I think, um, I, my, in my younger years, I mean, I'm a, I'm a short person. I've always been short. I'm five feet tall. You're petite. And, um, (laughs) yes. Petite. So, um, you know, a lot of, in, and, I think in my Barbie world growing up, Barbie was, I didn't really think about her size or her dimensions. I thought about her popularity. 
Okay. Like I wanted to be popular and liked. Um, Cause in, in my world of Barbie, Barbie was that person. She was glamorous and, you know, the few Barbies I had, you know, they, they all got along and, um, but in my Barbie world too, Barbie made her own choices. So I had one Ken and he had a blue, he was a 1970s Ken. So he wore a blue jumpsuit and a red tunic and Ken was kicked to the curb by Barbie when GI Joe would come in town. <laughs> G.I. <laughs> Joe, because I had the full size, like the same size as Ken, full size G.I. Joe. It actually was my brother, but I stole G.I. Joe at some point. And uh, G.I. Joe would be at home on leave with his, you know, his sandpaper face and in his like army green outfit. And mm-hmm. he'd come visit Barbie and Barbie would be like, who's Ken? <laughs> <laughs> That that's what was going on in my world. Barbie made her own decisions. She was in charge. She was she was popular. Like she wanted to do what she wanted to do, and that was it. And I think that was, I guess, growing up, like I always felt I had a very um, protective older brother, and that just carried into high school. And I, I, it was almost suffocating to the extent where I felt like somebody was always declaring what. I was going to do. So I think I kind of made Barbie very independent in her own woman in my world. Oh, okay. So- yeah. I love that. And I want to jump on that. Cause I think the same goes for me too. Um, I mean, I, I just remember like Barbie was the center and Barbie, she, she called the shots in every storyline and every situation that I would put her in, she drove that car. Ken did not drive that car. Barbie drove that car, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think that that in a way, I know that we're kind of flipping the script and like kind of talking about some of the positives, but um, I think that in a way how I played with Barbie was very much like how I ended up living my life where like, I definitely am like, I mean, I don't want to discount Jordan, my husband, because he is amazing. And I feel like we do a lot together in terms of managing our home and everything. But like, I do not hesitate to drive that car, you know, (laughs) and I do not hesitate to like be the leader of the house. You know what I'm talking about? And mm-hmm. like make the decisions and be like, this is what we're going to do, you know? Um, and I think that's a very powerful thing. I agree with you completely. I yeah. wonder, too, if I was allowed to play in similar fashion. Because, Tracy, you know that whenever I expressed that I wanted a doll, my dad would buy me these collector item dolls, right? And they weren't for playing, right? Like Barbie went to the movies and shopping and owned a bunch of businesses. These dolls that I had were going nowhere. <laughs> they were going to school. They were going to school. <laughs> they had their little educational bags from, you know, and their head wraps and all of the things, but they were going to school. And I guess that was the message. <laughs> <laughs> received <laughs> the message was received and so okay i'm gonna um take that that your answer uh trace and i'm gonna volley it over to shiny because i would like to know like how do you live your life now similar to the way that barbie lee you had barbie live hers on your terms can um Tell me a little bit about that. What does it look like for you? I do. It looks like doing what I want when I want. If I want something, I'm going to go buy that something. If I want to do something, I'm going to go do that something. Because Barbie, Barbie never had, Barbie wasn't even married. Barbie was living her life. Like Barbie 
that is how I envision Barbie. Like she, even though she um, set the standard, she wasn't the standard at the same time. Like there were really no, there was really nowhere else where you had the encouragement of a woman driving a sports car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like she, she just did like what she want when she wanted. And that's how it translate translated over to me. And I just realized that Barbie and Ken were really never married. They were married in my storyline and they had little kids and little dog for my little Malibu set up. But, um, she just, she just lived her life. And that's basically, um, the same thing with me. Like, I don't have a pressure to do all of the things. Like I'm just living my life. And I feel like that's what I took away from Barbie is just to do what you want when you want and, you know, allow things to fall where they may, but enjoy the ride. Well said. Okay, ladies. So at the end of the day, this last question was going to be, so looking back now, did, Barbie do more harm or good? Well, obviously, um, she's done more good because you all have are living the the lives that you want and you actually like them. Mm-hmm. At least I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, now the question is: Are you planning to go see the movie? And I know the answer for Shiny because that's a yes because I'm buying her tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dana, are you planning to go see the movie? Actually, um, the my my mom, my aunt, my aunt's best friend, her sister-in-law, um, my two female cousins, and my son Jake, who's eighteen. We are dressing in pink, and my aunt's making earrings, and we're making it an event. Oh, how wonderful! Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so are you going opening day? Um, hopefully. When is opening day? The Thursday next week? The 21st, I think it is? Yeah. But I think that's when we're going, yeah. Okay, so you all are going to celebrate. It's an event, the whole nine. Trey, you are going to be in um, Europe, so are you going to try and see it with the family when you're over there, or what? Are you going to wait for me in Turkey? Are you going to see it in the States? Are you seeing it in the States first? Yes, but I am happy to see it in Turkey. Yeah, I will (laughs) gladly see it in another country with um, subtitles. Because Mm -hmm. I think that would be fascinating to see Barbie in Istanbul. Yeah. Like, how, how crazy would that be? And to, like, you know, just to see how a different audience also, like the energy of a different audience, a different culture, you know, how they also like take in this kind of stuff. Yes. Um, so I would love to see it when we're in Istanbul together, if you'll see it again. I will um, definitely see it again. Yes. Just so yeah. that I can say I went to the movies in Istanbul. <laughs> With my bestie. Okay. Well, there's that too. Yes. Shani. So I think, you know, I was just going to add on like real quick. I saw the preview for it. Um, I saw a movie last night, Path Live, which was amazing, by the way. Um, But they had the Barbie trailer. And I am like so curious what the heck this movie is about. Because there's, like, a lot of mystery around it. And, like, the trailers don't really, like, tell you exactly, you know, like, what's going on. Um, And so I think that's really cool, too, that there's, like, you don't quite know what you're walking into, you know. And in a way, that sort of, like, mirrors just, like, this anything is possible idea that Barbie holds. Yeah, I agree. In all of our imaginations, you know, and how we played with her and everything. It was kind of like anything is possible in this world. Yeah, she is such a a political, social, economic symbol. You know what I mean? Like, 
you you can hold her up there, right up there, especially in America, right up there with Coca-Cola, you know, mm-hmm. and rock and roll. Exactly. And so um, I'm wondering what, you know, this perfect world that she has lived in, the whole flat feet, What what is it all going to be? And I, I think it's going to be... Um, interesting because she's always moved with the times, you know, especially when it comes to her being available in different colors, nationalities, right? Um, Countries. Um, She is Diana Ross. She is Rosa Parks. She is an astronaut and the president. You know, um, and now the just before this movie, her latest greatest evolution was her different sizes that she comes in different sizes, um, different hair, different skin complexions, you know, like she's really evolved. And so um, I wonder what. It's going like what like is it going to be more political? Is it going to be more social or or what? What's the deal? So, um, Shani, you're going with me, and so what mm-hmm. do you think you're going to see? What are you hoping that you see from the movie? That I think um, the trailer. I think it's going to be more social. A social commentary. I, okay. A social commentary. I think. From what I can tell, and just like what was said earlier, you really don't know. Like, they just give you bits and pieces. But I feel like she's breaking out of the mold on what everybody thought Barbie was. I feel like that's where it's going to go. Like, that you can do anything. You can get out and live life. You don't have to stay stuck in this one bubble. That's that's what my money is on. Mm, Dana. Yeah, Dana, what are your thoughts? Um, I actually didn't have any expectations. My son Jake was the one that has been like out of his mind about it because he's been he actually wanted so I have it's all men in this house except for me. So I have my husband and I have two boys. And Jake wanted the four of us to go see it. Um, cause his opinion was it's the cinematic movie of the summer, if not the entire year, mom. So he just, everybody, there's so many people in it and we don't know what it's going to be like. You, we just have to see what, like just his description of what he thinks, not knowing what it's going to be. He actually has gotten me. I, I mean, I just agreed to go with my family. I wasn't necessarily <laughs> hyped about it until... He got me all hyped about it, but my husband and my other son are like, yeah, no, you guys can go. So um, I'm actually excited to see it with him because he's like completely jazzed about it. I am too. And I don't know why. <laughs> I I am jazzed as well. Um, Again, as that kid um, who never really got to own her own Barbie. And I got to tell you, I don't know why. I don't know. Like, I got this doll called Baby Alive, and you fed her, and she pooped and all the things. And it could have been because I was really destructive, right? Like, she made her way into the bathtub, and she had, you know, double-A batteries. (laughs) You know, problem, problem. Um... And like my sister would get the Barbies and she would get the things. And, you know, I remember an argument between my mom and my dad. She got this, um, the the head, just the head where you could do her hair and her lipstick. And my mom thought it would be okay to get that one because she came with rollers because my dad was a beautician. He did hair for a living. But she was a whitehead Barbie and there was a big old argument. That next Christmas, they came out with a black one and she got the black one. And then I was stuck with, I don't know. um, I never got the things that I kind of wanted. Like I wanted... um, uh, I was into Wonder Woman and the Bionic Woman. Of course, I didn't get those dolls. (laughs) 
And so I would have to go and play with my neighbor's dolls. And two of the girls, they were sisters. They were Christy and Michelle Tucker. And Christy was, and Michelle were like you, Shani. They had their dolls and they had storylines and you had to play the way that they wanted you to play or you you weren't you couldn't be involved. And so, you know, I got with the program because any Barbie doll was better than no Barbie doll, you know. So I sometimes want to go out and buy the Corvette or the dream house just so I can say I have it and play with it as an adult. Mm-hmm. I think you should do that. I think you should buy the Barbie doll that you, like, you should go to the store and you should just look at all the Barbies and you should just, like, let your desires run wild and you should buy, you should go on, like, a little Barbie shopping spree. Oh, my God. And play with them. I think that would be so amazing. And set it up. I So when when I became a yoga teacher, one of my teachers she would teach like yoga poses with a Barbie doll. And oh. it was really like, it was fun. And I became fascinated with it because I was like, I think it rekindled that, you know, I used to play with Barbies and like, this is a way as an adult to like play with a doll. Right. So like <laughs> imagine all these different yoga poses in different ways through Barbies. So I think that you should do it. You know what I would really like, and Tracy, you've heard me say this before, is I would like to build my own Barbie based on me as a child, a teenager, and now as a woman, right? So Mattel, if you are listening, we want build your own Barbies and you need to make it affordable. Like the idea of being able to pick my hair, my skin color, my lips, right? What kind of lipstick I wear. And, you know, if they wanted to just wrench more money after out of you, maybe you could send a picture in and they can sew a little outfit, like your favorite outfit, right? Like my favorite torn up Converse. I would love to see me in dull form with my Converse. It would be amazing. <laughs> idea. I know Converse does that. Like there are a couple of companies where you can design your own shoe. So again, Mattel, if you're listening, people want this and make it affordable for everyone. Mm -hmm. So listen, ladies, uh, I just thank you guys for doing this show with me. I really appreciate it. I, again, I know how busy you are. Um, So you guys taking the time out means a lot to me. But before we go, Dana, Tracy and Shani are um, reoccurring, returning, excuse me, guests, not reoccurring. Well, Tracy, you might be recurring. (laughs) 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 Just by the nature of our relationship, you will probably be recurring every season. Mm -hmm. Um. To uh, one of the things I asked of my guests is the three people, places, or things that inspire them and the five songs slash artists that they're rocking right now. And both of those include a why. So, um, well, I'll start with a place. Um, Hawaii uh, has infected me, I think, for life. So, I had my first exposure to Hawaii on my honeymoon and um, what inspires me about it is not just the beauty and the weather, all the um, stuff I think everybody falls in love with, but the laid back nature of the culture there, how chill everything is. Nobody's in a rush. The locals don't, they don't they always seem so laid back and I feel like here on the mainland I mean I live outside of Chicago everything's just seemingly chaos and people are over scheduling their lives and they're a little nutty about it so I um 
I love just everything about Hawaii. Um, try to have that aloha spirit in me as much as I possibly can. Is it a place you can you get back to often, or is it a place you would like to retire to? Um, I'd love to be back there often. We've been there um, three times, but now I have kids that are getting ready to go to college. So I think those trips are going to have to be put on hold for a little while just because they're so far away. But um, it ended up being a destination that we were able to take my parents and my husband's parents that have always wanted to go there. We took them there on a trip one year. And um, both of our kids now have been there at some point. So, um, I mean, ideally, I think it sounds like a perfect place to retire to, but I am very much, I I don't know if I could be that far away from people in our lives. So, because it is very remote and um, I don't know if I could actually live those there, but who knows? All right. So Hawaii is what's number two. mm -hmm. So um, my grandma Esther is a very inspirational woman to me. I, I, she was always, um, she wasn't your stereotypical sweet little grandma growing up. I think if you were a kid, she was probably pretty scary. Um, My grandma was intense and, um, she was a little harsh, but as I grew up as into an adult, uh, an adult, I kind of understood why she she had a really hard life. Um, levels of abuse from her father into her first spouse. Um, she overcame a lot of hardships, illnesses, and then she actually became a caretaker to not only a couple of her children that ended up having to move back in with her um, with their own children. But then she also ended up taking care of my grandpa who was dying, her sister's husband who was dying, and then finally her own sister before my grandma got um, diagnosed with cancer and she passed away at 85. She dedicated her life to anyone around her that needed it, but she never complained. She never really used it as an excuse or told her life's hardships to get anywhere with anybody. You know, like I only found out this stuff later in my adult life was because I asked her. Um, And then I came back home and told all my younger cousins about what our grandma had been through and nobody ever knew. Um, And I think that kind of says a lot about a person is, you know, some people in some situations, I think you just can't help it. If you go through hardships, you kind of wear it as like a cloak. It almost becomes your identity. And with my grandma, she never really used it to, I feel like benefit her in some way or for people to lay off of her or whatever. Um, she, 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 she's probably the strongest woman that I have ever known. And um, her strength just, yeah, it's very inspiring to me. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And to be able to get to know her and the fact that um, you asked and she answered, I'm sure she, you're probably the first person in the family who even asked, bothered to ask yeah. her what was going on. Okay, so mm-hmm. your third um, point of inspiration. The last one is my dad. So um, my dad was, I, I like to think my work ethic is modeled after how he worked growing up. My dad was very dedicated to the family business. Um, probably a little bit to a fault because work came first in almost every situation. Um, so as I became an adult, I tried to have a little bit better balance of work and family, um, where my dad, a lot of times I, you know, I was, um, 
in gymnastics um, when I was young as well, and I played soccer, and I would occasionally see a glimpse of my dad showing up at one of my games or one of my meets, but he would never have enough time to, like, stay for a whole game or anything. So I tried to have a little bit better balance now myself as an adult, too. I'm very dedicated to work, but sometimes I also, my family has to come first, but my dad was strong and, um, again, dedicated to family, um, would do anything that he possibly could to benefit other people. Um, my dad passed away suddenly five years ago of a heart attack and we had so many people show up and we ended up hearing stories about my dad and a level of generosity that no one ever knew about. My dad never told anybody. So like, you know, for example, a family friend who um, was down on her luck and she had two little kids and she was passing through town and my dad gave her a lot of cash and said, you go get settled because she had nowhere to live. She had, didn't know where she was going to go. And her son, who is a grown man now, told us that story. And his mom made sure that her kids knew that if it wasn't for, he was called Uncle Bernie, um, if it wasn't for Uncle Bernie helping them out when they needed, she doesn't know where they would be. But my dad never told anybody those stories, you know, to benefit himself or make him look better. It was just part of who he was. That um, yeah. That's, and we had yeah, lots service. of stories like that, that we actually heard at his funeral. Um, it ended up being, you know, a horrible event, ended up having this amazing feeling amongst myself, my mom and my brother of these fantastic things that we knew my dad was a great person, but oh my God, look at the person that he was, you know, just selfless. And I love that. Okay. So what are the five songs that you are rocking these days or your favorite five songs of all time? Okay. So number one is Dancing Queen by ABBA. That's a good one. Whenever I hear that song, <laughs> no matter where I'm at, if I'm in the at a wedding and I'm in the middle of a conversation, I will look at, and I have done this, I will look at that person and say, I'm sorry, I have to go. And I run to the dance floor. Um, uh, I can attest to that. And so can Shani. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I can't my, talk to so you anymore. Everybody knows. Yeah, at work, everybody knows that if that comes on the radio, they, they're calling me in the room if I'm not in the room. So that is, that's my number one. Okay. Um, the second one would be uh, You Make My Dreams Come True by Hall & Oates. Um, it has great feet. I don't know, have, have any of you ever seen the movie I Love You to Death with Kevin Klein? No. I don't think so. Okay, Shiny. it's a really great movie. It's actually based on a true story where um, Kevin Klein plays the role of a cheating husband. And um, his wife, who's played by Tracy Ullman in the movie, finds out and she plots to kill him. But it's <laughs> hilarious. And that song is played during one of his guys' night outs where he ends up you know, picking up a woman, but he does this crazy dance to it in that movie. Anyway, it's just a great beat. Love that song. And I love Hall and Okay. Um, the others are not specifically songs per se, but groups. So my two guilty pleasures are uh, Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears. <laughs> love them. Yeah. So sing to them all the time. Doesn't matter what songs they are. You know, always a feel good. Crank up the radio no matter where I am. Those okay. Shiny. You love Britney Spears or Backstreet Boys as well? Both. Both? Yeah. Okay. I did not know you were mm -hmm. a fan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
That's why it's a guilty pleasure. You don't necessarily want to admit it outwardly. <laughs> okay. Um, and my last is a current song, which I'm sure we've all heard, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. And what I love about that song is um, even though the song stems from, I don't know if everybody knows this, but the song stems from her marriage where her husband cheated on her and she found out about it and they're now split up. But the song to me is about an empowering woman that doesn't need somebody else to feel good about herself, that she's going to be just fine all on her own. I love it because it's an, like an empowering woman song. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I see like, as we talked about Barbie today, thank you, Dana, for sharing that. I mm-hmm. sure. that's the I want to say you are encapsulating the ideology today for Barbie. That's the word strong. She is the strong, independent icon. And I think you guys have all, all three of you have said the same thing in your own words that for you, Barbie represented this strong, independent woman in charge of her own life. And, um, I, I really didn't have an agenda for what would happen today. Just wanted you guys to share with me your um, your Barbie stories and what she's done for you. And um, I'm excited. I think I am going to go and buy my own Barbie and be that strong, independent <laughs> woman. <laughs> yeah, do it. And and do the thing that I never got to do. Um, and wh- whoever thinks otherwise, be damned, right? So it doesn't matter what That's anybody right. else thinks. So, um, again, thank you, Divas, for joining me in this episode. I hope that it was good for you as it, and as much fun for me. It was as much fun for you as it was for me. I'm going to get these words. It's called awkward artist for a reason. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) you're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I prove my point every time I open my mouth at some point during these episodes. So thank you guys so much. And, um, I would love just in general, not even doesn't even have to be a podcast. We just got on the phone and discussed our experience with the movie, you know, mm-hmm. now that we've oh, opened right. up this yeah. dialogue, we do it, another off, um, off the books phone call conversation. It could be Barbie, Barbie movie, um, movie club discussion. Yeah. Great idea. All right. Yeah, and I want to hear about this family event and what Jake thinks about the movie. I'm so curious mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. I will let you know. I'm sure I, I can share pictures, too, because my aunt's got a big plant. <laughs> oh. oh, yay. I have a feeling that there should be, like, Barbie cupcakes designed by Dana Anderberg as part of this event. Oh, my God, Dana. Oh, Barbie yes. Cake, so... <laughs> Making little girls' dreams come true. Extraordinaire. Yes, shiny <laughs> Dana is a baker extraordinaire. Like real deal, Holyfield, baking up goodness. And well, right now I'm the one armed baker because I'm recovering from shoulder surgery. So <laughs> I'm the one, the one armed baker. <laughs> A baker, no less. <laughs> Listen, I've seen Barbies with one arm <laughs> driving that Corvette and their hair cut off. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, she can do anything. <laughs> All right, ladies, y'all have a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, this episode is coming to a close. 
But before we go, I want to once again shout out and say thank you to Dana, Tracy, and Shani for helping me get to the root of why I have Mattel Envy or why I used to have Mattel Envy. Am I completely healed? No, still some work there for me to do, but at least I know what's wrong. And the second thing I know is that I am free, free to do the work that I know that needs to get done to heal the little girl who didn't get to play with Barbies. So that said, uh, thank you guys for joining me for episode six and um, know that I'm forever your awkward artist.